Praise the Lord. Well, let's see here. We had uh, last week began to talk about identity and uh, who we are in Christ. And uh, basically, it's, it's going to turn into a series, I'm pretty sure of it, and uh, kind of how it does around here. And uh, talked about really what, what came to me um, concerning 2020, the year 2020, was that this was going to be a year where this congregation, I mean, this is for us now, that this congregation was going to begin to uh, identify with their true identity. That's pretty huge. There's three keys uh, that you need to understand that if you, as a child of God, if you're going to be successful in life, if you're going to you know, have the answers for life's questions, there's three key things that you got to have working for you, okay? Number one, you got to know who your God is. Number two, you got to know who your enemy is. And number three, you got to know who you are. Come on, right? Because a lot of times we're sitting there wondering, you know, got our arms out here going, God, what about, how come, what, whatever. And the whole time, see, if you don't know who you are, that enemy sneaks in there and takes and, and uh, ransacks your life. So you got to know who you are, praise God. So we begin to talk about uh, identity and who we are in Christ. And uh, today I'm going to kind of shift gears just a little bit. We're going to go back into the Old Covenant. Uh, we're going to start in the book of Exodus uh, chapter 3, please, Exodus and 3, and uh, we're going to talk today about identity change, okay, what it means, uh, you know, when we're talking about identity, because a lot of times what happens is we, we grow up our whole life with a certain identity, how we see ourselves, and uh, what he's trying to do is, is, you know, for at least for the most part, I mean, I know maybe some people grew up understanding all this, that's great, but I find that most people haven't. Uh, even I'm talking about even most Christians don't even know who they are in Christ. And uh, so there needs to come a change, a mind renewing, come on, a revelation of who you are in Christ. Amen. And so today, though, we're going to take some examples, uh, types and shadows. We're going to take some examples of some of our patriarchs of faith. And we're gonna, Exodus 3, we're going to start with Moses. Are you doing good? All right. Now, what's, what's happening in context, of course, um, you know, Moses was saved and, and uh, raised uh, by Pharaoh's daughter and, and um, uh, you know, grows up. And uh, according to the scriptures, he actually grew up knowing he was called to be a deliverer of, of God's people. And, um, well, you know, he gets to a certain time and uh, he's now an adult and, and um, he... He notices that the, uh, you know, the Israelis were being uh, abused by the Egyptians. And, uh, well, he kind of takes, you know, law, the law into his own hands. And, and, you know, he's called to be a deliverer. So he, you know, thought, well, okay, I'll deliver this, uh, this Isra Israeli. And uh, he steps in and ends up killing an Egyptian. Well, that didn't go so good for him. And uh, it created some problems. And he goes and he runs. And he, the word says he ran to the backside of the desert. And uh, that's where he meets, uh, uh, meets a family and connects. He gets married. And uh, for 40 years now, he's out there being a herdsman, amen, with the family that he's connected with. And so that's what's happening. But all of a sudden, he looks up in the hill while out there with the herd. And uh, there's a, a fire that's, that's burning up on the hillside. As he gets close, he re recognizes that it's a bush that looks like it's being consumed by fire. 
<clears throat> that's not being consumed. And then we have the, uh, the amazing uh, burning bush experience. And so he gets closer and all of a sudden this burning bush is not only, you know, a glow, it is talking to him. So he's either thinking he's been out in the desert way too long. Come on. Hallelujah. Or something. But uh, he recognizes uh, that, and praise the Lord he did, that the Lord is now talking to him. And the Lord is trying to call him back to do what he's called to do. Are you with me? All right. So we're going to verse, uh, let's see, I don't remember what I told you out there. Uh, let me get back to my notes here. Here we go. Uh, verse 10, I think, is what I, I put there. Uh, there. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh. This is what the Lord is saying to Moses. I'm going to send you now to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Okay, now for whatever it's worth, uh, the scriptures call that the house of bondage. Egypt was referred to as the house of bondage. Okay, it's necessary to know as we get into some of this today. All right, so uh, I've come to deliver. You're there to go deliver my people. Praise God. But Moses said to God, who am I? Now, who am I is about to meet who I am. Are you with me? All right, he's talking to who I am right now, okay? And, uh, and he, but he's, he's thinking, who, who am I? Well, that's, to be honest, that's the majority of Christians. Who am I? You know, you're called to do this. Well, yeah, I don't think so. You know, yeah, you, know you don't know who you're talking to. I mean, who am I to be able to do these kind of things? Well, you might be amazed who you are. Amen. And I find out if you get to know who you are, you get to do what you're called to do, praise the Lord. Most people miss what they're called to do because they don't know who they are. Are you still with me? All right. So anyway, uh, he says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel uh, out of Egypt? And, and, and so he said, this is what the Lord said, I will certainly be with you and this shall be a sign to you. Amen. That I've sent you. When you have brought the children or the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God. Amen. On this mountain. And you're going to come back to this place. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, uh, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? Well, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, and he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent you. Now, uh, this Hebrew word here, I am, uh, haya, it's, it's H-A-Y-A-H, and it means to exist, to become, to come to pass, but it refers to uh, all that you need when you need it. In other words, whatever you need me to be is what I'll be. And, he, and that's what he finds out, okay? Now, first, it took a little while. Uh, for Moses to get a hold of this. Um, but uh, in fact, originally he was going to have Aaron do all, he, he was going to be the mouthpiece. And, uh, but as he kind of got into it, started figuring out, no, I'm, I'm it. And then he just took over and, and, and did what he was supposed to do. And how many know he became a deliverer? Became what God called him to be. But at first he didn't know that. Okay, so it hung him up. So here he is hanging out on the backside of the wilderness for 40 years. Now, you might say, well, how, you know, how does, you think about this, okay, uh, he knew who he was, but due to a circumstance or a situation, okay, it kind of, you know, lets the air out of your tires, come on, and that's what happens to a lot of folks, and uh, we're going to see more of that as we get into this today, but a lot of folks, 
uh, just had the air let out of their tires, so to speak. And so you assume that, you know, well, maybe God really didn't call me, or maybe God really isn't going to use me, or maybe because of this or because of that, uh, God can't use me, or all these kind of questions. Well, I, I think you're a prime candidate to, to find out who you are. Are you with me today? Amen. So anyway, uh, let's put, uh, put uh, I gave you, I think, Proverbs. I give you Proverbs uh, chapter 23, uh, verse 6. All right. <clears throat> Do not eat the bread of a miser. Now, this is, of course, is the word miser is a, another word that refers to manipulator, okay, nor desire his delicacies, okay, verse 7, a common text here we've, we've read many times or we've heard many times. For as he thinks in his heart, so he is, okay. Now, in context, talking about this manipulator, uh, this miser, eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. In other words, he's trying to manipulate. This individual he's talking about is trying to manipulate, going by a, a natural means to somehow get done what he wants done. So what he does, he manipulates the circumstance. Hey, let me bribe you. Let me do this. Let me do that. Because he thinks that's the only way he can get anything done is somehow he's got to manipulate the circumstance or the situation. Are you still with me? So that's in context what this is about. But the principle is, verse 7 here, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. As he thinks in his heart. Uh, the Passion Translation, as he thinks uh, within himself. Okay? Uh, the word heart here is not the normal word used for heart, but it's referring to really the center the, within an individual. Okay? As one thinks within themselves. Okay? So he is or so he exists, that word means so he, uh, so he becomes, all right? But this word thinks, because if you stop and think about it all, it's all based on what you're thinking. How you view yourself is based on your thinking, because it doesn't matter what everybody else thinks. It matters what you think. Do you know... How you respond to what you think isn't even based on what God thinks. Now, the smart thing is to hook up to what God thinks and start viewing yourself the way God views you. But if you won't hook up to what God thinks, it's only going to happen what you think. Is anybody hearing me? In fact, Romans 8, which is, I don't know how many know I love Romans 8. A big part of Romans 8, right in the middle of it, amen, deals with this, that you live according to where your mind is set. Everybody lives. Spirit, carnal, doesn't matter. You live according to where your mind is set. In other words, your most predominant thoughts determine how you will live. Are you with me? Okay. Your predominant thoughts when there was where you've set your mind. That's why the word says set your mind on things above and not on things of this earth. Why? Because you want to think the way he thinks, not the way the world thinks. Now, last week, we brought out that you're going to have to have your nose in that book, the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Now, why do you have to have your nose in the book? Because in that book reveals who you are. You're not in the book just to find out more about God. You're also to find out more about who you are. And the Word says that if your nose is in that book, it's like a mirror. 
and you become, you begin then to take on that reflection. Are you with me? You begin to take that on, and it's a, it's a work of the Spirit changing you from glory unto glory by the Spirit of the Lord. Amen. But it happens because you are trying to connect to His thoughts. If you will connect to His thoughts, you'll come into who you are. Now, why is that so important? Well, that Bible is what, you know, it's a language all its own. Some of you have heard me say this, but uh, we're going to say it again. Uh, this Bible is, is, is a language all its own. Now, we're not talking about Spanish. I don't know. Do you have an English Bible, Juan? English and Spanish. Good. Okay. Praise the Lord. So he's got a Bible that has English and Spanish. Anybody else got a different one? French, German. No. Okay. Well, stands to reason, right? We're in America, right? So it should be probably an English. But how many know we're not talking about an English language? We're talking about the Bible is a language all its own. It's a language of potential. Are you with me? Now, the world has its own language. And again, we're not talking about French, Spanish, English, none of that. It has its own language. Everything in the language of the world is a language of limits. Everything that will tell you who you are, what you can do, what you can't do, how you won't be able to do this, you can't do that, you can only do this. That's what the world language, come on, is all about. But when you hook up to the language of potential, it brings you into all things are possible. It brings you into your potential. Are you still with me? So what we have here, amen, is a man who's being told who he is. Now, he doesn't know who he is, but he goes on to be, you know, one of our patriarchs of faith, a deliverer, of Egypt, or pardon me, a deliverer of the children of Israel out of Egypt, praise God. Amen. So it didn't happen, you know, instantaneous, but he began to believe what God said about him. And when he did, he became who God said he was. Are you still with me? Amen. Praise the Lord. So um, go back to that Proverbs 23, please, in verse 7. Verse 7, please. It says, For as he thinks... In his heart, so is he. In other words, that's exactly the principle. Now, this word thinks, um, in the Hebrew, this word here uh, literally means to, to open or close a doorway. It refers to a gatekeeper. Okay? You say, what? Because what he's saying is, what you let in is what's going to determine how you exist or how you become. So you have to determine what you're going to open the gate to. If you're going to listen to every Tom, Dick, and Harry, and if your name is Tom, Dick, or Harry, I apologize. But if you're going to listen to every Tom, Dick, and Harry that says something about you, and you open the gate to that, then it begins to determine. See, you begin to buy into it and determine who you are based on what Tom, Dick, or Harry said. We do have some Tom, Dicks, and Harrys, don't we? So I should have used a different name. But anyway, you get the point. The point is, amen, what are you opening yourself? What gate are you opening? I mean, what are you opening to? What are you going to let in? Are you going to believe what God said about you? Or what the world says about you? You going to believe what God said about you? Or are you going to believe what your parents said about you? 
Now, hopefully your parents were good, godly people and spoke good things over you, but I find that most don't. Are you with me? Are you going to believe what God says? Huh? Or are you going to believe what the world says? Listen, you're going to believe what God says? Or are you going to believe what the enemy says? Listen, I got a lot of people have told me over the years, boy, the enemy keeps, whoa, whoa, bro, what? Yeah, the enemy keeps, what? It's amazing how clear we can hear the enemy. Huh? Believe me, if you can hear the enemy, you can hear God. You just got to learn to shut the gate when the enemy's talking. When the enemy starts talking, that's when you ought to start laughing. Go, ha, 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 devil, you're a liar. So I know that whatever you're telling me is just the complete opposite. Well, anyway, praise the Lord. So you got to determine, or pardon me, you determine what you're opening yourself up to, all right? Now, what's going on with Moses? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Well, what it is, he's feeling inadequate. Well, because of what's happened to him, all right? So he just feel like I must have failed or I missed God. I didn't, you know, do it right. I blew it. So God probably wants nothing to do with me anyway, and maybe I just missed God anyway. Maybe I just didn't hear God clearly. Maybe, maybe what somebody told me was a lie. I mean, whatever. The point is he feels inadequate. Everybody say inadequate. The word inadequate, I just looked it up just in case here, but it means not equal to the purpose, insufficient to effect, inept, incapable, incompetent. These are all just synonyms of it, all right? Feeling inadequate, incomplete, Feeling uh, like uh, you, your inabilities are, are, are you know, uh, you are, are, you know, you, well, they're just inabilities, all right? Instead of being abilities, we see them as inabilities. I, I can't do this. There's no way. But you have to change that because you can do all things through Christ. And maybe at one time that might have been you, but you're a new creation in Christ. And old things are passing away. Behold, all things have become new. Praise God. So look at your neighbor and say, you can do this. Praise God. Amen. Years ago, uh, I don't know who it was now, I heard say it, but, uh, uh, you know, uh, a big shot is nothing but a little shot that just kept shooting. You say, what's that have to do with this? It has a lot to do with it because sometimes, you know, you just keep following God. Amen. You may feel like you're not measuring up or you're not, but God said that you can. So you keep going. You keep doing one of the things that has happened over the years, I, I believe, and this is just something that he told me about, I don't know, 20 years back now, maybe 15 or something, and he just says that one of the problems of the church is, uh, is spiritual aids. Spiritual aids, and you, know, you think about, you know, an immune deficiency syndrome. Well, no, it's an identity deficient syndrome. We're deficient of our identity. We don't know who we are. So what happens in, the enemy sneaks in there, slaps us upside the head, and we accept it because we don't know who we are. Are you still with me? Comes in and steals, and we, we, roll, we roll with it. We start coping instead of conquering because we don't know who we are. Still with me? All right, let's look at some other individuals here. Let's look at, uh, let's go to the book of Numbers, chapter 13. Now, I had a whole bunch of things I was going to bring out today, and this morning as I was into this, I realized there ain't no way I'm going to get to all that today, so we'll just do as much as we need to today and move on. But what we have here now in context is the children of Israel, the, the spies 
uh, you know, they're already been delivered. They're in, uh, you know, they came out of Egypt. So God sends uh, the 12 spies into the promised land to spy out the land. And the word tells why, you know, he's in there, uh, you know, bringing back word to everybody. Let them know, praise God. It's just like God said. And, uh, well, you know, you got these 12 that went in for 40 days, and they come back. And, of course, part of the group, uh, the ones that we always remember, is uh, Joshua and Caleb, right? They were the only two of the 12 that said, let's go in and do it. Let's do what God said. Amen. The rest of them did not. Now, as a result of it, the word is very clear that uh, they, uh, they brought a negative word and the people bought into the negative word. Come on, somebody. And as a result of it, okay, they end up cruising around in a wilderness for 40 years. The scriptures are clear. One year for every day the spies were in there. That's what it was. Still with me. God never intended for the children of Israel to wander in a wilderness. God doesn't intend for you to wander in a wilderness. Amen. But now they made a decision. They bought the lie. And the problem was the lie came from their brethren. And as a result of it, it cost them. Those, that generation passed. The next generation came and they go in and take the promised land. Are you still with me? That's all necessary. Verse 25 of chapter 13. Numbers 13, 25. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh, or at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them uh, and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. In other words, they brought fruit back, all right, and they, and they told him, talking about Moses, and said, We went to the land where you, you sent us, and it truly, everybody say it truly. In other words, it's the fact, Jack, just like God said, all right? It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the children, uh-oh, that'll get you in trouble. The, the people who dwell in the land are strong, all right? That word strong just, you know, means harsh or fierce. So they didn't just paint, you know, these are, these are people who know how to take care of themselves. No, this is, these people are harsh. They're fierce. They're mean. They're wicked people. Right? I mean, they really paint in a picture. And cities are, the cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. In other words, the, the, the giants. And Amalekite dwells in the land of the south. The Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites and a whole bunch of otherites. Canaanites dwelt by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb realized what was going on, quieted the people. Why did he have to quiet the people? They're all getting worked up. He can hear it. There's, a, there's this, this thing working through the crowd now. Everybody's getting nervous and scared and panicking. And so Caleb says, hey, let's, let's go up at once and take possession. Man, we're, we're well able to do this. We can overcome them. Let's, let's not back up. Let's move forward. But here we go. The men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. This is somebody that doesn't know who their God is, doesn't know who their enemy is, doesn't know who they are. Now, these were leaders. These weren't just anybody. See, some people say, well, they, they just randomly picked somebody from each tribe. No, they were all a leader out of their tribe. Still with me? These are all somebody who should know better, all right? 
And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature, which is just, it just gets deeper and deeper. They're just starting to, amen, exaggerate. See? Everything good. We, and there we saw the giants. The descendants of Anak uh, came from the giants. And, and we were like grasshoppers in what? Our own sight. And so we were in their sight, which is a bold-faced lie. Are you still with me? I mean, what did they do? Go up to them and ask them? You think we look like grasshoppers? Ah, oh, young grasshopper. Yes. You are grasshopper. Yeah. No, 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 it happened. Because we know, listen, we're talking about the next generation goes in there and does the job. And the word said they were, our, they were in fear of them. So this is nothing but a, 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 because of what they, were, what they let in. And really you say, well, how did that happen? Uh, well, I know exactly how it happened. They all coming back, all 12 of them coming back, heading back to the, you know, to the, the camp and, and they're talking. And probably Joshua and Caleb, you know, are all excited about what's going on. They're probably over here talking with each other. And the rest of them, the other ten are going, man, I know, you know, if we're going to send every, we go in there, you know what's going to happen, man. We're going we're gonna to have, our families are going to go in there. We're going to, we might lose sons. We might lose, we might lose some of our, you know, we might, we might lose things. We might, we might, some of our family members may not come back. I mean, uh, they're starting to talk and pretty soon they're thinking, man, this is crazy. What are we doing? To me, it's, it's house of bondage thinking. They're still thinking bondage because they came out of Egypt. They're still thinking like Egypt. Is anybody hearing me? Are you still with me? They're thinking about how there's no way and, and how and what about and they're comparing themselves with them. And the whole time they forgot about who their God was. Listen, a lot of Christians do this. I said a lot of Christians do this. Let's try that one more time. A lot of Christians do this. And they have what they call paralysis of self-analysis. You start looking at yourself wrong in the light of whatever. You're comparing whatever. That's why the Word warns you about comparisons. It's bad. You start comparing yourself. It's either going to hurt you one way or another. You're either going to think you're better than everybody else or think you're worse than everybody else. Either way, it's bad. Hello, somebody. But paralysis of self-analysis, you sit here and analyze yourself wrong, and it'll just shut you down. You'll go nowhere. Well, that's exactly what happened to them. Of course, the only two that went into the next, or with the next generation, was Joshua and Caleb. Can I hear a big amen? amen. Well, you want to take your promised land or not? Then you got to watch what, what you let in, what you open the gate to. Still with me? Praise the Lord. All right. Let's, uh, let's look at, uh, let's go to the book of Judges, chapter 6, please. Judges. And the thing I'm trying to bring to your attention with each one of these examples, just like with the children of Israel, the only thing that really changed from the first generation to the second generation was a mindset. was a mindset. So, you're going to have to guard where you set your mind. Am I coming across loud and clear? 
Chapter 6, we have a man named Gideon. Of course, you can't talk about identity without talking about this man named Gideon. How many know Gideon had a, uh, you know, identity change? Are you with me? Now, he's in a wine press threshing wheat because he's hiding from the Midianites because this time of year they come over the hill, take everything they have. And uh, so he's threshing, threshing wheat in the, in, the, in the wine press trying to hide. All right? And so the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, Amen, call him who he was. The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor who is hiding in a wine press, threshing wheat so nobody sees him. Come on. But listen, don't determine where you are as who you are. Are you with me? See, if we can change your viewpoint of who you are, it'll change where you are. Right now, if we went by where he was, we'd have a wrong idea about who he is. Well, he definitely did, didn't he? So he's referred to as a mighty man of valor. Now, who said he was a mighty man of valor? I'm sorry. Did I not say that out loud? Uh, did, well, who is he? Who, who's, who told him that he's a mighty man of valor? Now, who are you going to believe? Who are you going to believe? All right. So, what's he do? He says, amen, I'm on it. <laughs> Gideon said to him, oh, my Lord. <laughs> I wonder if we're going to get to see this replay. I don't know. I don't know. Probably not because they probably don't want to, you know, make Gideon feel bad. But how many know he goes on to be a mighty man of valor, doesn't he? But it takes a little bit of mind, you know, a little bit of change of mind here. Gideon said, oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? If, why, and where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us? You know, I've literally heard these same kind of questions. If these are the questions you're asking, you don't know who your God is, who your enemy is, or who you are. No condemnation, but I'm just trying to tell you, if these are the kind of questions you're asking, you need to figure out who you are. Figure out who your God is. All right, come on. Uh, where, where are all the miracles? Okay. Did the Lord bring us up from Egypt? I mean, come on, Did, you know, uh, but now the Lord has forsaken us. He's abandoned us, delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. That is not what happened. That was based on their own choices. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours. I love the fact that he didn't get caught up in what he said. I'm glad he just kept it going, just kept saying, go in this might of yours and you will save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, now breaks, hold it. Whoa. Oh, my Lord. Really? How can oh, I save Israel? 
indeed, I mean, now he gets even my clan. I mean, the tribe I'm from is the weakest in Manasseh. I mean, you, I don't know. I mean, even if I felt that, I wouldn't say it. Right? I mean, any man worth his soul isn't going to go around saying, our tribe, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> whoo, bad. No, no. I mean, but he's going, man, we're the, we're the weakest. And he says, and I want you to know that I am the least in my, I mean, I am the weakest of the weak. Now, how many know he's got a little bit of an identity problem? <laughs> right? Amen. But how many know he comes out of this? And becomes exactly what God said. He became who God made him to be. But we had to get his thinking straight. Of course, through a little, uh, you know, little, little work here, we got him changed, got him going where he should have been, you know, got him thinking the way he's supposed to. And he goes down in history as a mighty man of valor. Praise God. Now, whew, Really what's happening, uh, you see verse 13, you see verse, um, uh, verse 15 are really um, excuses, right? Now, some of you have heard me talk this before, but, but he's kind of in a victim mentality because he's got an excuse to justify it, all right, to, you know, to an alibi, a reason why he can't do these things. And a lot of times, that's what ends up happening, okay? We, we look at ourselves in one way, and the Spirit of God says, you can do this. You say, uh, no, no, you just, no, you, you really got the wrong guy. Because, you know, I've, I've, every time I step out, I fall on my face. You know, and I've tried that one time. Yeah, and that didn't go good. Um, you know, yeah, I made that other issue, and I had to, yeah, I think, yeah. I said, what it is now, what, so what you're telling me is all these things that what he said about you isn't gonna, is, doesn't apply to you, because of what you think about you. But you have to determine what you're going to open the gate to. Well, you're either going to open the gate to what he thinks, or you can keep the gate closed, come on somebody, to what he thinks, and just meditate on what you think. Or buy into, because I mean, a lot of times in situations like that, somebody else can come up and say, yeah, you probably couldn't do that. And you might go, well, yeah. You might buy that. No, maybe not. I don't know. Sometimes some people might say, you, if God tells me I can't, but if somebody else said you can't do it, I'm going to get in their face. I don't know. But the point is this. You determine what you open the gate to. That's what it comes down to. Well, somewhere along the line here, he opened the gate, amen, and let it in and became exactly what God said he, he was called to do. Are you with me? Now, all right, let's look at this. Um, let's see here. What would be a good thing? Do you guys remember the, um, I think this would be a good place to throw this in here. Remember the, um, at the pool of Bethesda when Jesus uh, was, obviously felt led by the Spirit of God to go to the pool of Bethesda. And, and what was around the pool was, all the way around this pool was sick people. Remember that? Now, he didn't go in there, obviously wasn't led to go minister to everybody, but he was led to go minister to one person in there. Remember that? Amen. Now, my guess is, somebody said, well, why did that happen? To my guess is somebody probably was interceding for him, is my guess. And based on their intercession, and obviously we're praying in faith, Spirit of God was, a, come on, obligated to send, send Jesus in, go take care of that situation, get it done. Because the Word says he went in there, ministered to this guy, and went back out. 
Amen. And that guy came out whole. Now, if you remember, uh, he goes up and he just asks a question to the man. Do you want to be made whole? Simple question. Yes or no? And they go, well, every time that the water gets stirred, somebody else gets up and then beats me to the water. Now, excuse me? Do you want to be made whole? That's the question on the table. What would be the answer? Yes. But instead he had an excuse. Now, I praise the Lord that even in that situation, because Jesus didn't do it in every situation, but on this situation he ignored him. And my guess again, that's another thing I believe that it was due to the intercession of another individual. That's just my opinion, but I think it's pretty good. I think I'm right. It's a good opinion. The point is, he goes in there, he ministered to that man, and he says, take up your bed and walk. The man got up, obviously followed him, did it, got up, whole, praise the Lord. Come on, somebody. But now an excuse can keep you in your current condition. That's dangerous. So, what are you going to open the gate to? What are you going to open the gate to? When it comes time to who you are, who are you going to listen to? God, right? You're going to listen to His Word. You're going to listen to His thoughts, right? 2 Samuel. Let's look at another one here. 2 Samuel. Praise the Lord. Doing okay? 2 Samuel chapter 9, please. All right? Now, this is a kind of a wild story. A lot of people don't know a lot about it, but uh, a gentleman by the name of Mephibosheth. Okay, quite a name. All right. Now, what's going on, of course, David now is king in this text. And we'll go to verse 3. It says, Then the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show kindness of God? In other words, covenant kindness. So what it is, he's sitting there thinking, you know, because David was, was in love with Saul and with Jonathan, his son, and you know, David loved that family. Amen. So, you know, they're gone, and here he is king, been king for a while, and now he just, all of a sudden, he's just like, there just needs to be, is there anybody from that family that I can bless, that I can help? Well, you know, he's, he's asking the question, okay? And of course, Ziba, which is one that works with him, said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. Everybody say lame. Okay, it just means his, his walk's been uh, affected. He can't walk good. Okay, he's been crippled, all right? And the reason he was crippled, for those that don't know, is that when they found out that, that Saul, he was just a little, little thing, when they found out that Saul and Jonathan were dead and that they just knew that David was going to come in, take, take the throne, and kill his whole family, is what they, th- they thought, is what they assumed. So uh, the... the the nurse or the, 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 you know, the one that, you know, helped, you know, nanny, thank you, that's a better word, nanny, grabs the little one, but in the process drops him, drops little Mephibosheth. Now, when she dropped him, it boogered up his legs, okay? And so he grows his whole life with these boogered up legs. Yeah, probably thinking the whole time, I'm this way because of David. 
well, no, you're that way because somebody dropped you. Hello? You know. So, and it had nothing to do with David. So now David's looking, amen, to show covenant kindness to anybody from that family. So they find out about this Mephibosheth. So the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, indeed, he is in the house of Makur, the son of Emil. In where? Lodabar. Everybody say Lodabar. That just sounds like a place you don't want to live. Where do you live? I live in Lodabar. Where? Lodabar. Well, if you knew what it meant, you wouldn't want to live there. Lodabar means pastureless, no word, the place of no word. The place of no word, pastureless. He's been living there. He had no word, bearing no fruit. Are you still with me? All right. Then King David sent the, and brought him out of that house, amen, the house of Makur, the son of Emil, from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. Well, why do you think he did that? He's thinking, I found me. He's going to kill me now. You think about, you know, I'm sure that's exactly what's going through his head. He's thinking, oh, man, all these years I thought I got, didn't know I was still existed. Then David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, here's your servant. So David said to him, do not fear. Why do you say do not fear? Because he was in fear. So I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake. Look at this. And will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather. Now, I mean, but the king probably had a few, few acres. Probably had some possessions. And you shall eat the bread or shall eat bread at my table continually. In other words, I'm going to give you everything that belonged to your household, but you ain't even going to need it. Because all your days you're going to spend right here at my table. You're going to spend at the king's table. Do you know you're called up? You're called to belly up to the king's table. But a lot of people pull up to the, the table of mediocrity. Mediocre, unfulfilled, come on, because that's where... Now, this is just amazing to me, because all types and shadows, because you think about Mephibosheth is crippled from the waist down, but when you pull up to the table, we don't see you from the waist down. Amen? In other words, it doesn't matter your condition. You're called to belly up to the king's table, praise God. Now, he's telling Mephibosheth, this is what's going to happen for you. In fact, it goes on, amen, he says, listen, I, I'm going to have... I'm going to ha have my own men. They're going to take care. They're going to take care of all your properties. You don't even have to think about it. But it's all yours. But you ain't going to need one thing because I'm here for you. In fact, it goes down in history. Mephibosheth, amen, ends up becoming very loyal, wouldn't you think? To David, amen, because of what David did. But here's the problem. We need a little bit of a identity change here, right? So what happens? Uh, so he says, you're going to eat at my table. So he bowed himself, talking about Mephibosheth, and said, what is your servant 
that you should look upon such a dead dog as I. Now, how I many know that's probably not real good identity when you think of yourself as nothing but a dead dog? Anybody hear me? That's pretty, I'd say that's pretty much wrong identity. All right? Now, listen, nobody can make you feel less than without your permission. See, if you open the gate to whatever anybody says, come on. You're opening yourself up to things maybe you shouldn't. But when you open your gate, open that gate, amen, to what God has to say about you, everything shifts and changes. Now, Mephibosheth. The word Mephibosheth means dispeller of shame and confusion. It means a carrier of disgrace and embarrassment. That's what the name means. Now, so he came, come on, with uh, an unworthy shame, disgrace, embarrassment, disrepute, huh? come on, a reproach-minded uh, gentleman that got shifted and changed and goes down in history as a loyal one to David. Amen. Obviously, his identity changed. Can I hear a big amen? amen. Now, there might, you might be here today saying the same thing. Well, you just don't know. You know, I'm just a dead dog. I just, uh, you know, I've made so many mistakes. I've done so many things wrong. Uh, I always seem like I trip up and stumble up. And my, half my life is gone. Well, listen, God can change your life in minutes. God can turn that last decade around in 10 hours. Are you hearing me? You come into who you are, you'd be amazed at what shifts and changes. Still with me? Let's do one more. First Chronicles. A couple more books over. Chapter 4, please. Hallelujah. First Chronicles. man by the name of Jabez. Some of you have maybe read the little book of Jabez. The whole book was written. Well, it's a little book, but the whole book was written on two verses. This is what we know about this, this gentleman. 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. Are you still with me today? Yes. Am I boring you today? No. All right, so you're attentive. You're hooked up. Yes. Right? right? You got the gate open to hear? All right, now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. Well, it was a pretty much a dysfunctional home here, okay? His mother called his name Jabez. Now, first off, why, you know, mom's naming him, okay, because in that culture, that's not, you know, there's probably a reason for it. It could be dad's booked out on him. could be dad's no longer with him. I don't know. We don't have any any. I, you know, we don't know where dad is. All we know is mom named him. Now, the reason mom named him Jabez is because she bore him in pain. Now, I, personally, I don't know that it's just the fact of the pain of the delivery of the child. I believe it has more to do with that matter, okay, because we have no idea where dad is. So there could be a lot more to this. But Jabez means one who brings pain. That's what the name means. Jabez means one. So every time he got called to dinner, hey, you who brings pain, come to lunch. 
every time out on the playground, they're swinging on the sissy bars and they're playing around and pretty soon, hey, you, who brings pain? Time to go in to class. Hey, you, who brings pain? Get out of the drinking fountain line. We're, it's our turn. I mean, whatever. Somebody says, did they have drinking fountains then? I'm sure they did. Did they have recess then? Sure they did. The point is, every time he was called, that's what he was called. See, to you and me, it don't mean a lot. In our culture, you know, you give us a name because that just sounds cool. What if it don't, you know, mean anything good? That doesn't matter. It sounds cool. You sure you want to name your kid that? It sounds cool. Okay. But they didn't think it that way. Everything, a name meant something. All right? So Jabez was named Jabez because she bore him in pain. All right? Now, that's his identity growing up. And Jabez did a smart thing. He called on the God of Israel. Now, this is what we ought to be doing right here. No matter what mama said, no matter what uncle, uncle you know, uh, said, no matter what, what grandpa said, no matter what dad said, no matter what, what uh, your, your first girlfriend said, no matter what your first, you know, your first uh, relation, uh, relational marriage, whatever it was, said, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your employer said about you. You have to, what are you going to listen to? So Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed. And enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God stewed on it for a month or two. Because, you know, he just don't know. Maybe that Jabez guy, maybe he really is a scoundrel. No, he called on God, and obviously called on God in faith, regardless of his dysfunctional home. Listen, regardless of his dysfunctional home, nowadays, listen, we're not making light of anybody's situation, but we use that as an excuse way too much. See, you're a new creation in Christ. It doesn't matter who you were before. It doesn't matter how you were brought up. Listen, we, we get it. We, we understand that you grew up hearing that and, and having to be around that, and, and it began to form who you were. But when you made Jesus the Lord of your life, that all changed. So when Jabez asked, God granted him what he requested. This is Old Covenant. And God granted him what he requested because he asked. Now, the point is, what are you, what are you asking for? What are you opening yourself up to? 
His thoughts towards you are thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future. To give you a hope. Something to expect that's good. What are you opening yourself to? What are you asking for? Just that you can, you know, have some moment of relief? Or do you want true results? Does that make sense? Listen, a lot of people are just in line, in a relief line, to get a little relief. All I want is some relief. Well, yeah, but in, in two more days, you're going to be back in line for more relief. And two more days after that, you'll be back in line for more relief. And we're not making mocking anything. We're just saying, listen, what do you want? Just relief? Or do you want results? You want to be who you're called to be. And then you can come out of the relief line and you can begin to help anybody else that's in the relief line. Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, my borders, and that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. I refuse to be who they all say I am. All I need is your agreement, God. God says, done. Done. Now we get to the new covenant, and he says, you're an overcomer. Well, every time I do this, I embarrass myself again. I say stuff. I, you're an overcomer. Uh, you're more than a conqueror. Yeah, but you know all these things? It Every day I get up, and this thing is staring me in the face, and Usually it's the thing that puts me to bed at night and wakes me up half a dozen times through the night and you're more than a conqueror. Now, wait a minute. I, I don't want to just you know go off and just say, I'm more than a conqueror. No, we should say that. That's easy for you to say, preacher. We're overcomers. We're conquerors. We are new creations. Yeah? What are you going to open the gate to? See, the quicker you find out who you are, the quicker you walk in what you're called to walk in. It'll change where you are. Amen. You are who he says you are. Rick, you're a mighty man of valor. Amen. Amen. Go in the mirror. I'm, I'm a mighty man of valor. That's me. <laughs> it doesn't matter how you look. It doesn't matter what anybody says. It doesn't matter how you feel. What matters is what he says. So all he's asking is, open the gate, let me in, and I'll make you who you're called to be. Did you get something today? Give the Lord a praise. Come on.
Hallelujah. Why don't you all stand up? Praise God. Woo, what a good God. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, nobody is making light of anything that anybody's gone through. We're not, that's not our point today. But what happens many times when, when you have this ongoing thing that we hear and we see and how we feel about ourselves, it, it just becomes easier to believe the lie instead of the truth. So you can either hear him or you're going to listen to them, right? You can, you know, you know to, to believe the lie means to not believe the truth. So make a decision. I believe the truth. When I say something contrary to this, the word says then that I become then a liar against the truth. See, people think the opposite. They think, well, if I go around saying I'm an overcomer when I'm not an overcomer, then I'm just lying through my teeth. No. You'd be lying to say you're not an overcomer because truth says you are an overcomer. So we say, well, wait, that messes with my head. Yeah, we got to get that gate open, get the right stuff in there, and get the wrong stuff out. Amen. New creation. Old things have passed away. Father, we give praise and glory today. Thank you for who we are in Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God, that in this house are mighty warriors. Praise God. In this house, praise God, overcomers and conquerors. In this house, those that are forgiven and redeemed. Praise God. In this house are those, Lord God, in love with God. Hallelujah. In this house, Lord God, hallelujah, our people, amen, led by the Holy Ghost, praise God. In this house, our people who know the truth, praise God, and follow the truth. In this house, our people, praise God, that have an ear to hear what you have to say, praise God. And they know your voice, hear your voice, and follow your voice. For that, we give you praise. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.